Hey, it's Caitlin. Hey, it's Abigail. Welcome Welcome to to The Gutsy Gutsy Truth. We're here to break down barriers of what's considered normal in health, wellness, relationships, and work. We're so excited that you're here with us. Let's dive in. Welcome, everybody, to today's episode of The Gutsy Truth. We are so excited to be back with a new guest. We have Ashley Siegert here with Figment Photography and Vacanva, and she is a local um, entrepreneur and photographer in the Bryan College Station area and lots of other areas in Texas that she can tell us about. Um, And so we are just so excited. Um, Caitlin and I have worked with Ashley on the professional side a little bit, and so we're just really excited to pick her brain today on what it means to be a female entrepreneur and all those wonderful things. So welcome, Ashley. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Of course, of course. So just to kick things off, let's um, tell our listeners who you are and what you do and kind of your story of how you got there. (laughs) Um, so yeah, that takes lots of winding turns. Um, so I was born and raised in Atlanta, um, and actually ended up in Texas because, um, a friend of mine from college, I went to her wedding and met her brother and he lived in Texas and he was a school band director. We dated long distance for two and a half years, and then we consolidated here in Bryan College Station. He was a um, school band director. And so we, um, uh, when I got here, uh, my my degree is actually in elementary education with a minor in American Sign Language. I was a trained sign language interpreter, um, and I worked in television because my family worked in television, and so that just kind of has always been a thing in the background. Um, I'm actually still on staff at ESPN and occasionally get pulled to do, um, different events for the company. And, um, I grew up in a baseball stadium. Basically my dad's a, a, a sports producer. And then when we got to Texas, um, as a freelance television stage manager. Nobody knew I was here. They weren't crewing me. Um, and so I hit Craigslist and was poking around for different jobs. And I found this magazine in Brenham because, excuse me, we were living in Navasota at the time. And so that was kind of equidistant, um, as college station was to us there. And I started selling advertising for the magazine. And, uh, at at some point they said, you know, could you take some photos of your advertising clients for our blog and our magazine? And I was like, well, if I'm going to get published, I should probably know what I'm doing. Um, (laughs) and I actually signed up for a shooting and manual class at the local community center Mm -hmm. here in BCS. Um, and started going like Tuesday and Thursday evenings and learned how to shoot in manual and just totally caught the bug and fell in love and never looked back, uh, and started figment photography. After that, um, I worked with a nonprofit that started here in town called preemie prints that did donated shoots for families who had been through the NICU process. Mm. And that kind of put me in a position where I was with legit clients. They were real clients, but it was also a donated situation. So I was, I was kind of, I had the flexibility a little bit to be learning as I went, um, because they weren't paying clients, but they were still expecting a quality product. So it kind of forced me into the situation of being able to figure it out really fast on, on the fly. And the company kind of built from there. And about three years ago, 
we decided we wanted to figure out scaling and I started hiring, um, more photographers and more support staff. Uh, and we were going to launch Vague Canva and we can kind of get into later kind of what the whole concept was for Vague Canva. But basically we are a tourist destination because we're very close to the university. And so people are coming into town a lot. And when we travel, we don't really know photographers in different areas, but often we travel with our family and that's a perfect time to be taking family portraits. And so we wanted to create a system where it was all kind of, um, uh, headquartered in one place. There was one standard backbone of the company that was processing the whole process of hiring the photographer, scheduling the shoot, wardrobe, uh, you know, a standard of excellence, and then the system on the back end for getting and choosing and ordering your, your photos. And so we started hiring the infrastructure staff and building that out. And so now we're at about 12 employees um, between here and DFW. And uh, we're looking to expand continually throughout the state and then beyond is the idea at this point. So now we're just kind of sprinting through life, um, trying to make sure that we have all the pieces in place to kind of implement that. Um, in the process throughout those years, we had our son and ended up um, deciding that it was best for my husband to quit his teaching job and come home as the full-time stay-at-home parent. And so he's doing that. Um, and he has a podcast because that's that's what we all do now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and it's great. We have you know a lot of freedom and flexibility with our time and the ability to parent in a very different way. And um, so, yeah, that's kind of where we are now. I love it. I don't think I knew that depth of your story of like your your actual degree and whatnot, like not being anywhere near um, photography or entrepreneurship or any of that. That's incredible that yeah. you just kind of, like you said, it kind of um, had this evolution of um, kind of your career and everything. So I guess like how did you like what did what that transition to becoming an entrepreneur look like? Like you like what advice or what support did you have to create that um, jump to make your own business? So I, my mom actually was always had a home business in our home. So, um, when I was growing up, she had a corporate gift basket and baby basket company that was run out of our home. And so I always joked that the soundtrack of my childhood was an air compressor. Cause she had a, um, a hot foil imprinter uh -huh. that she was like, imprinting diapers and cocktail napkins and ribbons. And so it was like, ka -tsh, ka -tsh, like <laughs> throughout my childhood. Um, and so I watched that literally in the home mm -hmm. from the time I was very small. And then, um, that was always kind of, I always knew that was kind of my destiny and that, and I'm this weird, um, I'm this weird artist that I'm an entrepreneur first and an artist second. Mm -hmm. And my art is the vehicle for me to build a company. Mm -hmm. yeah. Whereas most photographers that you run into, they do it because they want to make pretty things. Yeah. I do it because I love to make pretty things, but I really like to build a company around making pretty things. Yeah. And the company is my first love in that context, as opposed to the actual artwork itself, um, which it's interesting because I teach uh, on the photographer circuit as well. And that's a really big thing for a lot of them to overcome is they they 
don't feel like they're entrepreneurs. They feel like they're faking that side just to be able to shoot. Mm -hmm. And so it's hard for them to kind of get over that mental shift of being able to run a business to be able to do their art. And so, um, I didn't really struggle with that as much because the business side was always my thing. So when I was 12, so, you know, those like cinnamon roasted almonds, pecans, nuts that Mm -hmm. they have at festivals. So when I was, uh, in elementary school, my grandparents showed up at our house one day and they were like, we bought a business. They bought (laughs) one of those candied nut businesses Uh and they were, um, it came with a booth at this massive flea market in North Georgia, um, right in the main drag. And so every weekend they were out there selling nuts and then they were going to the big festivals in all over the state of Georgia and South Carolina, Mississippi, like all over the place. And so, um, the, at one point when I was like 12, I was like, I can face paint. I'm going to put together a face painting kit and I'm going to come to the flea market with you. And like the flea market, let me set up like a little table out just in front of their booth where they were selling nuts. And I would get, I would spend the night at my grandparents' house. We would get up, we'd pack the truck, we'd go to the flea market, we'd set everything up. And then I would sit there for an eight hour day face painting. Oh my God. (laughs) And so like that, and I eventually I like brought in like hair streaking, like with like spray color and like all. So like I, this was always my destiny, you know, it was always, you know, how can I do that? And then in high school, um, I went to the mall one day and there was like a wit, one of those salons, a hair salon with like a big picture window and it was like prom season. And so I saw them doing updos and my poor sister has like the most amazing head of hair on the planet. It's huge and curly and fabulous. And she got the good hair and she laughs that I got the hair skills and she got the good hair. And so it just, (laughs) and I, she was probably five or six at the time. And I went home and like sat her down and just started going to town and just started figuring out how to do updo. So all through high school, every dance, both my high school and then my my high school boyfriend went to a different high school. So like all these people would come through and filter through. I turned the basement bathroom into like my own salon and that I would schedule their appointments throughout the day, do all their updos. They would have like this continuous string of girls coming in for their hair. People, some people I didn't even know. They were just like friends of my boyfriend's friends or whatever. And, um, and then after I would finish, like I would do my own hair, put on the dress and go to the dance, like oh my goodness, ready to go. And so it was that this was just always, me, you know, like I'm always, my brain is always going in like, how can we do this and how can we do this better and how can we serve better and how can we, you know, make it, optimize it basically. Yeah. That's so cool. So it's like you, you just have like this intense, like go-getter spirit and like that, that mindset of like, okay, here I go. This is, I can, you can like see the opportunity on the wall before anybody else will even click into it kind of a thing. And that's really a gift. I mean, I know other people in my life that are like that way. And I'm just like, wait, what? Wait, how, wait, you're making that a business? (laughs) You know, you know, that Julia Roberts meme where like the math is going around her, her face and her head, like that everybody puts out, like, I feel like that's me all the time. But like right now it's with like website funnels. Like I'm always like, well, if we put, if we send them here and then they have to click this and then it goes there and then it, right. <laughs> it's just, yeah. Right. Exactly. It's like the perfect. And then my husband's like, funnel. what do you want to eat? And I was like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> awesome. So explain to us a little bit more about the Canva. I know you kind of explained a little bit, but dive into that a little bit more for us. So originally it was really just meant to be an engine of like, okay, you're traveling somewhere with your family. Let's make it really easy and optimized for you to do a family portrait session in that place. All of our 
I have an in-house editor that does all of our editing. Um, we have client managers that get on and do Zoom consultations and ordering appointments with every client. And so everything's really streamlined and there's a consistency. So if the idea was like basically what we have staff all over the country. And so if you're going to go do a vacation in Colorado, you're going to do your family portraits there. Well, the next year you're going to do one on the beach in Florida. We have the same system. You're working with the same client manager. You know, you're going to get the same quality of product. You might even get the same like finish of your wall portrait to match it and put right next to it, but it's a totally different location. So we want the, the long-term vision is really kind of stream that situation, uh, streamline that situation. However, um, in the midst of all of that and in the midst of COVID and cause we were going to launch in March of 2020, we were like <laughs> gung ho and ready to uh, go. And then yeah. tourism died, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, which you guys know more than anybody, like yeah. it was like over. <laughs> right. Um, but what it did was really give us an opportunity to streamline our infrastructure and our systems. And so, um, what we have done on the figment side, which is my local studio brand, um, is, we we were getting a ton of requests for uh, nonprofit donations, so silent auction items, basically. And so we had kind of optimized what the best way to do a, a silent auction item was. But when you do that, you give it to the organizer, and then it kind of goes there to die. Because mm -hmm. how many times have we purchased something from a silent auction, and then we forget that we even bought it? It goes in a drawer. Mm -hmm. We never use it. And then the person that donates it has no way to follow up and be like, oh, hey, you bought the thing. Come use the thing. Mm -hmm. Because we don't know who purchased it. And so we figured out um, with my website platform that I, I teach and I help build out for other people because it's my happy security blanket platform. Yeah. <laughs> um, we figured out we could build a whole funnel where those nonprofits could sell as many of those sessions as they could. And then because it's all going through our website, we have the ability to follow up with the clients. We have the ability to, um, you know, make sure that everybody's getting the best quality experience out of it. And so we started partnering with nonprofits. We started selling more like 20 sessions per, per event. So we can do it as like a standalone fundraiser, or we can do it in conjunction with a gala. And if they're doing it in conjunction with a gala, we generally, um, we generally sell about 20 and the full donation amount goes to the organization. We do a big check presentation and then, um, we run them through our whole systems. And so they get a session with us. They get a 16 by 20 mounted print from their session. If they choose to purchase more than that, you know, because we've done a great job and they can't walk away from fabulous pictures of their family. Great. Um, but if they don't and they just walk away with their print, that's fine too. So we try to be very transparent about that and make sure they know like the whole donation that they've given is going to the organization. We even eat the credit card processing fee so that that hundred percent of that is going to the organization. Um, and so once that really started taking off on the figment side and we realized like, this is a really good way to get in front of our target client. It's a really good way to show these clients what kind of experience they're going to have with us so that perhaps they become lifelong clients. Um, we realized like this is really powerful from an uh, ph philanthropic entrepreneurial engine basically. Yeah. And so, um, we have, we have tweaked it a little bit for the Vacanva side, and then we've started going and, and trying to partner with more of the nonprofits in the DFW market. Cause now that's where we, we have three photographers ready to go up there and a couple of support, um, 
staff up there. Mm -hmm. So that's where we're kind of doing our first big expansion. And then we can kind of take that and replicate it in multiple other cities. So we, um, at the moment are just like gung ho trying to get as many nonprofits. And honestly, our biggest struggle more than anything is that it sounds too good to be true because they're getting a hundred percent of the pass through. Mm-hmm. They, they don't have to do anything truly. We build out the whole back end, and then we hand them a check. Like, right. yeah. And so our biggest struggle with getting in is they think we're a scam <laughs> yeah. and they've told us like that. I, I even did, I did a check delivery for one of the nonprofits in Fort Worth on my way up. Um, we have family up there. We were going up for 4th of July party and we did the check presentation on the way and I'm like standing there writing it on like the big dry erase check. And they were like, we really truly to this day thought, no, there's no way this is too good to be true. <laughs> and so <laughs> we've had to figure out that we like, we have to have boots on the ground in those cities to like right. show up at the office and be like, we are real humans and we really want to raise money for you. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and be able to, you know, actually, so we've set a goal this, this past July. So July, 2021 to or July 2022 to July 2023, we have a goal to raise $100,000 for nonprofits um, through the town. And then we have some like multipliers in the following years that we have our eye on. So, um, so yeah, any of your listeners out there who are involved in the nonprofit sector, let us know. (laughs) We're ready to run. (laughs) Yeah, that's so awesome. And it's so innovative. Um, That's why like one of the reasons we wanted to have you on here is because you really have thought through some really out of the box ways to do your business and not you haven't gotten stuck in just doing what's always been done or what's normal for a normal photography business, um, which I think is really cool. And of course, you're giving back, um, which is so great as well. Um, And from what I know, too, and correct me if I'm wrong, like the the people that you're targeting for your employees, they're they're usually stay at home moms, right? Okay. So tell us about Um, the inspiration behind that. So, all right. This podcast is called the gutsy truth, right? So sometimes there's some unpopular opinions. Well, my unpopular opinion, and somebody's going to turn off this podcast right after I say this, Don't worry. but I am pretty staunchly anti MLM. Mm -hmm. Um, because in my opinion, and hear me out, ladies, (laughs) (laughs) in my opinion, um, I have seen a decline in the quality of female relationships mm-hmm. because of the intersection of social media and MLMs. Mm, yeah. Because now we have gotten to the point where when you get a message from somebody you haven't heard from since high school, you're waiting for them to pitch you their skincare, their wraps, their leggings, their nail products, whatever it is. And you don't want to interact with them. And I actually had a particular moment where I had somebody from high school contact me and I immediately went into that mindset of like, Ugh, what is she selling? Cause it was somebody I hadn't talked to in years. Uh-huh. And she had been an international student who had come to our high school from Columbia when we were like juniors. So like, imagine like you know, you're 16 years old and you get plopped in a whole new country. You barely speak the language and you're just trying to figure out your social life and everything. Yeah. So she actually came to prom with like our friend group Mm -hmm. and at like 30 something sends me this message and was like, Hey, I just wanted to reach out because, and the, and that's all I could see, like in the, in the sample of what was coming Uh and I'm waiting for the pitch. And she literally just goes, 
I was thinking about it the other day and I just really appreciate what you did, uh, like reaching out to have me come to prom with your group. We didn't have prom in Columbia. It wasn't something I knew about. I wouldn't have gone if you hadn't have pushed me to go with you guys. And I really appreciate it. And like, I felt horrible sure, because yeah. I was anticipating a sales pitch and I was salty about it. Yeah. And she was legitimately just reaching out to be an awesome person yeah. and be appreciative. And I was like, like I hate what it's done to our expectations of other people and female relationships. And I also hate that when a friend of yours gets involved in one, you feel obligated to purchase things. And most of it's not even going to them. It's going Mm -hmm. to the upline. It's going Mm -hmm. through, you know, the whole thing. So one of the things that I knew as we were building this company is I wanted to somehow make it really accessible to the stay-at-home mom. It's an incredibly untapped workforce of highly educated people at this point, who most of whom, at least you know, in my experience, um, have been out in the workforce, done a great job, had a child or had two, whatever, and decided, I this is not where I need to be. I need to be at home with my kids, and right. so. Then you get there and you're like, I have not had a conversation with anybody over the age of three in seven days (laughs) and I'm losing my mind. I need something on the side. So Mm -hmm. we really wanted to build the infrastructure where like you legitimate everything that the MLMs are selling you on the like build your own schedule and, you know, have control over how much money you make, like all that kind of stuff. Like if we could build an actual engine that could do that on this company, like it could be really life-changing. And one of my employees actually told me, um, you know, and, and everybody legitimately gets to make their own schedules. They get to say, here's my availability. And then if we have clients to fill in there, great. And then if, um, you know, if it's my editing department, I don't care if she's editing at 2 PM or 2 AM, like you do you boo. Yeah. I, you know, it yeah. doesn't matter as long <laughs> yeah. as it's done. Um, and then our client managers, like I have one that has, has, five children. I have one that has two. And then like, you know, they, they have different days that they're available as long as like, as long as the infrastructure has enough availability to manage the clients we need to manage. I don't care when you open your availability. Mm -hmm. And if a client comes in and says, Hey, I don't see anything on here that works for me. I'll jump in and open it up. And you know, cause I've done every job in the company so I can jump in (laughs) on anybody. And so we've actually like in our, um, in our strategic planning, one of our like core business principles is I got you girl. Like if something comes up, (laughs) there's somebody that can jump in. And so like, if your kid is sick and you have to like move something and go get your kid from school, like guys, we are not curing cancer. These are photos. We can reschedule. Like it's not, you know, we can reschedule a meeting. We can, we, you know, we, if we screw something up, we'll fix it. We'll do what we need to do to fix it. But like, nobody died today. (laughs) It's going to be okay. So, um, so most of my employees are stay at home moms. Um, I have one who's younger. She just doesn't have kids. She ends up living at the studio more than, more than not. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I have, um, my own mother doing the books because we joke that she birthed me without a left brain. And so the spreadsheets are not my, my happy place. And she makes sure (laughs) that we stay in accordance with the IRS and all the people that need to get paid. Yeah. Um, and, but yeah, pretty much everybody. And so one of my staff actually told me, I like a, like a year or two in, She said, I had this irrational fear that was based on nothing except for the fact that I wasn't working, but I had this irrational fear that was my partner was going to up and leave me one day and I would be in a hot mess. And like, 
she has a master's degree, but like she was a stay at home mom and she, she just didn't, it, she was having nightmares. And she yeah. goes in the minute I started doing this job, the nightmares went away. Uh, that's so and I powerful. was like, <laughs> right? instant tears, instant tears. Oh my gosh. Well, I just want to like take this moment and for all the women in the world, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for building this model. That should be a norm. It is a hot topic for Caitlin and I, when it comes to work schedules. And Mm -hmm. like you said, the majority of what the most Americans do or the most of the world do for a a job. I mean, unless like you're a legit medical professional or Mm -hmm. like an airline pilot or something like that, like it's not a life or death situation. If that email doesn't get sent at 5 PM, it's fine if it doesn't get sent till the next morning, you know? And so if the hustle culture of today's society is just I'm over it. I'm so exhausted from it. It's yeah. just stupid. And so just the fact that you said, and I, and I personally agree with you on the MLMs. Cause yeah, cause it, it makes it awkward. It makes that relationship so awkward. And yeah. And like you said, then like in your specific situation, you were like ready, you were like ready to fight against this girl. And she's like literally just being like a kind human and saying like, I just right. appreciate you. And you're like, Oh great. Now I'm the horrible person. Now I'm the jerk. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I just absolutely love that. And that's a huge thing that Caitlin and I, that's a big driver for why we want to start the gutsy truth. And eventually we want this to be our full-time job. So we have that time and financial freedom to do what we want. If we want to work two hours that day, or if we want to work at night, or if we need to go, you know, be with our families or whatever, because at the end of the day, that's what's more important than anything else. And so I just, I just absolutely love that. And I just, so much appreciate that, that you've, that you've made that like a core thing. And like, I've got you girl. Oh my God. Can we put on this shirt? I know. Yeah. We need so shirts. cool. I know. I need merch. <laughs> yes. I'm in. I'm buying one. <laughs> oh, that is just so good. And I, and I also feel like probably those women are excited that they're bringing an in income and supporting their family. Mm-hmm. And it's something that they can step out of their, their, like take their mom hat off and like put on mm-hmm. their, like, I'm a woman, hear me roar. Like I'm going to do this kind of hat, you yeah. know? Yes. And I think that's yeah. so important. Um, and yeah, like you said, it's an untapped, um, population of people that are just are ready to work and want to do something. And mm-hmm. so are the women that you've been hiring, are they, um, um, do they have a background in photography? Did they go to school for this or are they learn- so learning everything from scratch? De- yeah, it depends on the, on the position. So, you know, only a certain segment of my staff are actually photographers because there's so much else that goes into the backside of yeah. what it is. So my fundraising coordinator, actually her background was in, um, like client relations between actually like medical in the, in in the medical space. So, Mm -hmm. um, and then she, between that and finding me was like super PTO president mom. And so, um, she does all of our social media. She does all of our like print marketing stuff. She, she builds out all of our fundraising coordinating that whole department. Um, so she doesn't, shoot at all. And then I've got one who main manages the relationships with the locations where we shoot and some of our nonprofits. And so, um, she actually has worked in tourism forever and ever. And then, um, when actually when COVID hit and tour, like the, all the tourism departments were laying people off, she was like, I mean, can I be helpful? And I was like, of course you can. And so, Um, and then like my, my art director, she, she does have like I said, uh, an incredible, incredible artist, digital artist. Um, and she, uh, she can shoot and she will shoot when I, 
pull her in. And she actually is our, our pet photographer as well. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> she's kind of the animal whisperer, but yeah. she would prefer not to people if she doesn't have to. And so she likes being behind her computer and just doing the digital work. Yeah. Um, and so then there are a few photographers that actually, if they're in the other markets, if they're in the DFW market, if they're outside of BCS, they can maintain their own photography business and then just take shoots for us when they want to. Um, I don't run a non-compete. I only have a rule that like, if I have provided the client to you, you're not like trying to go around it and be like, Hey, next time come just directly to me and subvert, you know, the company. Um, but they, they, they're welcome to maintain their own business. But I have a couple who are like, I don't want to do all the stuff. I don't want to do the marketing and the editing and the ordering and all that kind of stuff. I just want to shoot. And so I'd rather completely shut down my own photography business, just shoot for you and then go do the other things that I want to do. Yeah. And so there's a couple of those. And then there's a couple here that I have taught from scratch where like one came in as a client and she was like, I love photos. I think I want to learn how to do it. And I literally like was like by this camera and this light and I will teach you everything. And for a year she shadowed me. Mm-hmm. And then I like gave, uh, we booked out 12 families. I like put out a Facebook message to the preschool class and was like, I need 12 model families over this month and she's going to shoot them all. And I'm just going to be in the background, like Mm -hmm. tweaking. And so, and then sent her off on her own. So it just kind of depends. All of my people have come to me like at just the right time for both of us where it's the right time for them because like their youngest just went to kindergarten and now I have time or, you know, I, uh, you know, this, this has changed in my life and I want to get into something else or whatever. And it's, it's aligned with me at just the right time that it either, um, becomes a training situation from scratch and they just have the right personality and I feel like they're the right person for it. Or, um, they already have their own thing going and they want to, they want to take on more and I can just feed them shoots and, and they're, they're expected to send back this gallery worth, you know, make sure that they have this experience, make sure when you get there, you like drop down into a kneeling position and say hi to the kids on their level. Like Mm -hmm. we have all of those systems in place to make sure that the experience is consistent. Yeah and very, um, optimized for the client to feel like they're really being valued. Um, but how I have acquired everybody, it's really just been like, okay, now it's time for that person to fall in my lap. And, and it's, uh, it's, it's had very little turnover in in three years. So knock on wood, I think it's all just worked out exactly how it's supposed to. So that's incredible. That's so good. And I think, um, I feel like everything about your story is so gutsy because in my head, I'm like, gosh, did you, did you know this was going to happen? Like when you first went out there and like started your business. So I guess what, what was that, what was going on in your head when you like started that, that leap to, to grow this business? And, you know, I'm someone like we were talking before we recorded, like, I love to plan things out and know like where we're going to be in six months. But what does that look like for you? I mean, I plan a lot, but it's, it's a starting point and it, and then it derails real fast every time (laughs) (laughs) real fast. Um, and you know, the ideas are, I was talking, my videographer and I are very, very similar humans. She's 10 years younger than me, but she's like me copy and paste 10 years younger. And, um, she and I were driving to a, a commercial shoot we had in Houston yesterday. And we were talking about this, about how, like, we're, we're just kind of the, the people that like, we have so many ideas and the biggest struggle is just which ones 
not to jump on mm-hmm. because it's our biggest downfall is that we'll do all of them. Yeah. Like we'll just be so excited that we'll do every single thing. And so she has a very similar story to me where she's like had 10 careers by the time she was 25 mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. was like just jumping because it, everything is interesting. Everything is fresh and new and, mm-hmm. and exciting. And so I want to learn it and I want to figure it out and I want to do it. Um, but actually my biggest hurdle that I had to get over was my fear of delegation and hiring. Mm-hmm. Um, because especially in our space, like nobody can shoot it the way that I do. Nobody can entertain the crowd the way that I do. Nobody can edit it with my vision. Nobody can. And it's not true. (laughs) Everything that is replicated can be taught. And I had to really dig in and learn that. And then let the people that fell in my lap show me that it was true. And I also had a fear of, um, putting myself in a situation where anybody else's livelihood relied on me having my act together (laughs) on a regular basis. And that was really scary for me. And so, um, once I got over that hurdle, then it all just kind of like cascaded in. And so after I did my, my first hire, Carla, my first hire, my, uh, fundraising coordinator and marketing coordinator, she, um, she and I met like for coffee, somebody, introduced us because I had put out that I was looking to hire somebody and a mutual friend introduced us and we went to coffee and like three hours later we were like oh we should probably go check on our families (laughs) (laughs) and and it was such a good fit and then once that kind of was a good thing then it gave me the confidence to like okay let's expand to another position let's expand to another position and I was able to then let go of holding on to the reins of all of the different tasks. And so now we have departments and, um, you know, each of those people is going to end up pulling in people beneath them, which gives them growth opportunities Mm -hmm. because now they're not just, you know, my editor's not just my editor, art director. Now she's going to have to hire and train people underneath her. And, and they're helping me develop the systems of what that looks like from a hierarchy standpoint and what that looks like for the flow. And, you know, every single one of my people is working remotely. And so we had to build an entire file sharing infrastructure and client sharing infrastructure so that nobody fell through the cracks. We could get to the files, you know, as they were being edited from all of our remote homes, we could get to them within our sales software, within our client management software. Like we basically had to build something from scratch to handle this that didn't exist because nobody's doing it the way that we're doing it. And so I had to bring in experts on yeah. all the softwares, like the owner of one of the software, I ended up paying to do like four or five private zoom consultations basically to build our structure wow. because we didn't know what to do. <laughs> right. And I was like, I need her to be able to get to it. And then she closes it and she gets to be able to get to it, you know, six hours that way. And yeah. So, wow. I mean, that could be another side business. <laughs> oh, honey. <laughs> Again, all those mess. ideas, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Software. Whew, yeah. I don't know if my brain can handle that either. <laughs> well, and in the midst of it, like all of this is run on my, my website platform engine, which I'm obsessed with. And so then like when I do, when we do commercial work, which I don't advertise a whole lot, but we've gotten to the point where like companies are sharing our name with other companies. Cause mm-hmm. they're like, do you know anybody that does this level of commercial work? And because we have a staff, because we have this infrastructure, we have a quick turnaround and we have a, a an in-house videographer, we can churn out anything. And so then I was like, well, they were like, we need a website. And I'm like, I can get you that. I can get you that in a week, you know, like, yeah. and, and I just went in and started building it. And so now I have 
like a couple of clients that we've built multiple websites for. And I'm like, why not? You know, (laughs) (laughs) that's so amazing. Oh my goodness. So what, okay. So I I just love this whole story, but like you talked about like your mental barrier, like your barriers, you just kind of overcame a little bit. Um, what do you think about being a female entrepreneur specifically was like a challenge or did you come into any challenges? Um, I mean, I feel like you've built this business like we are women here as Roar. So I don't feel like you've had a challenge, but that can be totally different. I mean, I never did the normal nine to five thing. Like the only time I ever was nine to five, I was, um, I actually was a congressional intern in college Mm -hmm. in DC for a summer, but that's the only time I've ever had like a consistent like work day schedule. And so I didn't have to deprogram that ever. I was always kind of doing all kinds of, you know, Renaissance man life kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, One thing we had to figure out as a family, as my husband was leaving his job as a teacher, he had been on the school schedule since he was five Mm -hmm. until he was 35 (laughs) because, you know, he went through as a student and then he went through as a teacher. And so, um, it was a little bit more difficult for him to kind of recalibrate to stay at home dad life and not having that structure mm-hmm. and that day to day. Um, and so that was one of the barriers that like, we just kind of had to mentally be like, this is what's good for our family. And so this sure. is what we're going to do. But I'm not going to tell you that the day he walked in and didn't resign his contract for the next year that I wasn't like not breathing because <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. now it's all on me, you know, yeah. and he had had a consistent paycheck as sure. a teacher since he was still in, he was, he was teaching while he was, before he even graduated. And, um, so for both of us, that was kind of like a hold your breath and jump moment. Um, and looking back, I wouldn't trade it for anything because, um, another unpopular thing for women to say, I was never built to be a stay at home parent. That's Mm -hmm. just not me. It's not my personality. Um, And he, on the other hand, was a middle school band director. So I always say co-parent with the master of not negotiating with terrorists. Like (laughs) he has all the, all the structure in place to be, you know, the parent that can put the structure in place for the kid that needs the structure. Mm -hmm. And, um, so for us, that balance was best in our household, but it doesn't look like most households. And we never really cared all that much about like, you know, the stigma of the stay at home dad that never, mm-hmm. that never really kind of like hit us, um, at all. Cause we don't really care what yeah. anybody else is thinking about, what our right. yeah. is. but, um, but it is something, you know, I was talking about my videographer, like as she is, is seeing her life 10 years earlier mm-hmm. from where I am. And she's realizing like, that's kind of going to have to be who I end up marrying is somebody that can, handle that because she, she laughs every time I, I say something that most moms, most stay at home moms would never say. She's like, Oh, that's how we're going to handle that. Okay. Good to know. Like she files <laughs> it away. Like, <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. That's so cool. I love um, it. Yeah. It's just a different mindset than most people see on the daily, but it's, mm. um, you know, I was never going to thrive in an office setting. I was never going to thrive in a standard schedule. And, you know, they laugh like entrepreneurs will, will 
work 80 hours a week to avoid working 40 hours a week. And it's so true. Like (laughs) there's never downtime, you know, there's never not thinking about the company. There's never not trying to unlock the puzzle in my head. Um, but I don't know who I would be without that because the puzzle is what keeps me running, I guess all the time. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's awesome. So for listeners out there that are, you know, wanting to dive into a business of their own or they've been doing so for a while and it's not really growing, what, what advice would you give them? Um, just do it. Like take the risk. I was talking about this with my mom a little bit, um, of, you know, what differentiates people, uh, who find success in business And at the end of the day, I think one of the biggest things is risk tolerance Mm -hmm. because it's so easy to get into like a comfort zone and a cozy place and be like, well, I could never give up my benefits. Like that's a big one. People Mm -hmm. are, are, it's very easy to say, no, I'm not going to take the risk and couch it in like, I'm not going to give up my benefits or I'm not going to give up the steady paycheck or I've put myself in a position where I can't. And the reality is like very rarely is that true. Yeah. yeah. It's just a very easy out. And, you know, we could have very easily been like, well, we can't do without the teacher's paycheck. We can't, you know, give up. Now, as a teacher, I will tell you the benefits were not anything that I even used because they were not great. But, um, you know, we found alternatives. We found faith-based med share plans. We've figured out how to make it work. And if you want it, and if it's, you know, what your heart is really saying is your desire, then like you have to take the risk. And the, the fork in the road is the people willing to handle the risk tolerance and those that are not. Yeah. And at the end of the day, like you're always going to feel a hundred percent better having tried than having not tried, yeah, yeah. but it's so much scarier to try. Oh, yeah. And sure. so, yeah. And I think that's yeah. what being gutsy is all about, right? It's just mm-hmm. being okay with the uncomfortable and taking risks. Mm-hmm. And I know like I'm saying this, but for like, I'm telling myself this at the same time, because <laughs> yeah. I feel like I'm so like risk averse in a lot of ways. Cause I like knowing what the next thing is going to look like and be able to prep and plan for it. But I feel like the more and more I just like let go and just take the risk, take the, even if it's a little baby step, it doesn't have to be a leap, Mm -hmm. you know, like just taking that, you just, you, 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 the reward is so sweet, um, for just walking into the uncomfortable and the growth that you get as well is incredible. Cause if you hadn't done that, you would what probably still be a, a, well, knowing your personality, you would not have stayed the way you are, (laughs) but, but but some people who are going to stay a a normal photographer forever, as opposed to what you've been able to do is build this business, empower other women, um, onboard, um, a whole team of, women who are, you know, bringing in income and supporting these nonprofits. It's just, it's just really incredible. Well, and I, I learned in therapy, I'm actually most scared of boredom. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. And so I think that there is a, there's a certain kind of people that like my fear and I, and I work on it. Like I work Mm -hmm. on, you know, clearing out the problem, like stop creating problems for myself because I'm scared of being bored. And, um, that was a big eye-opening day. Sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, my whole life is centered around, you know, and the chaos that we create for ourselves is centered around just like my fear of boredom. Yeah. And, Ooh. um, yeah, 
that would, that one will knock you on your butt for a couple of days. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, it's so kidding. good. No, kidding. it's hard to be still with yourself. It really is. Yeah. Um, and I, like I said, I think it's just kind of how society has deemed it. So, you know, like you don't see people talking about stillness or quiet time or, t- you know, other than like, Oh, go to the spa. And you're like, Oh, okay. Like, but that's like once in a blue moon, you know, like, but yeah. on a regular basis being still with yourself. Yeah. It's really hard. So I actually stumbled upon, um, <laughs> through, <laughs> I always say this ironically through the tiki talkies. Um, <laughs> right. I found a book, um, Hal Elrod, it's called the miracle morning. And I found it in June and I've been doing it about 90 to 95% of the time ever since. And it talks about like getting up early and these, he basically studied like all the, the things that highly successful people do every morning. Mm -hmm. And he was like trying to figure out, do I do like a couple of them? He was like, what if I develop a system where I do them every single day? So it's like an entire, I literally read the book in a day and started the next day. And ever since then have like, and I I will tell you, I am not, I have never been a morning person (laughs) and, you know, especially working in sports television, like we don't, you know, we notoriously don't get home until 1am or whatever. And so I was always a late sleeper and, um, you know, night owl and getting work done all night and all that kind of thing. Um, and now creating this morning routine of getting up before everybody else, doing the meditation, doing the journaling, doing the reading, doing the affirmations, doing the coffee before like I'm mom, before I'm anybody else's anything. And then setting that intention for the day mm-hmm. is like game changer. And it was funny because like, you know, my husband was like, you have done this for many days in a row. I am, <laughs> I am flabbergasted because, you know, we've, we've been together 13 years and I've never been a morning person. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but it's, it's a game changer. It's a complete game changer. My staff will tell you like I'm wearing them out because I've been doing the morning intention setting. And then the rest of the day I'm like, all right, here's what we're doing. You know? Yeah. And yeah. So highly recommend. Yeah. Well, well what was that book called again? Uh, it's called the miracle morning by hell Elrod. Um, and there's like a zillion different, like offshoot books uh-huh. that are like the miracle morning for families, the miracle morning for entrepreneurs, the miracle yeah. morning. And he, so he's got a bunch of them. And then there's one called the miracle equation that talks about, okay, so now you've got your morning routine down and like, now what, where does the rubber meet the road? And it's the combination of, um, basically effort and faith that you're going to get where you're going. Um, and so that was a really good one too. So all of his stuff, he's got podcasts, he's got all kinds of stuff. He's, you know, he's the morning guru, Uh, but yeah, miracle morning. Okay. We'll, we'll find that and put it in the show notes for everyone as well. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. Cool. So I, we've talked about a lot and I think it's been really inspirational for everyone, but I would love to know what has been something gutsy you have done. (laughs) (laughs) give me something we talked about or something different I mean truly I would say the day I brought on my first hire was like the turning point because this is going to be a a a completely delegated situation at some point like Mm -hmm. where I am just highest level idea person, you know tweak person all that kind of thing and I'm not going to be like I'll always come back and shoot like my lifelong clients who's, you know, I started 
I really kind of got my name in this town as a labor and delivery photographer. So there's families in this town that like, I was literally in the room when their kids were born, multiple (laughs) children, and I've shot them every year. Like I'm never going to like abandon that, those people and not be their family photographer. But at some point, like I will be the higher level person The the majority of my company is the button pushing is happening by other people. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and had I given into that fear of delegation and hiring and not brought Carla on that first time, none of that would be the case. And, um, it's funny. I have a client who has sold a company before and he talks about the moment that like he was sitting across the big shiny conference table and like somebody slid the paper across (laughs) face down and he like looked at it and then like, put it back down and was like, yes, that'll do. Yeah. And I was like, that's a bucket list item. I didn't even know I had. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> and so like kind of, you know, in the, when you're looking at your, like your long-term goals, like down the road and like, if there is going to be an exit strategy at any point, like that's a moment that I will be like, and I've made it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure. That's right. awesome. I love it. Yeah. Love it. It, it's such a good reminder just to, again, take that leap, make that, make that mm-hmm. change and to see what happens and not let yourself get in the way of that. Mm. Yeah. And continually be like, well, what's the worst that can happen if I try it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's a really you know? important mindset to have. Mm-hmm. I love it. Well, Ashley, this has been so awesome. Like we have loved chatting with you. Um, so we have one final question for you. It's one of our favorites to ask. What is something you've been doing that has filled your bucket of life? Hmm. So I'm really, really recommitting to travel now that the world has opened up again. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and doing not just like check the box, like see the people that we need to see kind of travel. And like, my kid has a lot of grandparents and none of them live here. So we do Mm -hmm. a lot of that travel where we go like check the boxes on all the family, like two, three times a year, make sure like everybody's doing good and like everybody gets to see each other and all that kind of thing. But the kind of travel of like, just go find experiences Mm -hmm. that you wouldn't fall into in the day to day. Um, and so for our 10th anniversary, my husband and I went to Maine Mm -hmm. and it was amazing. It was just like, it was the first time we traveled just the two of us since our son was born. And we did, you know, we went, we, we didn't think we'd never known we were kayak people. I booked a kayaking tour on, you know, in Kenny Bunkport and we did like a schooner cruise and we ate the lobster and we did the, you know, we did all the things. And then this last year we went to Asheville and we went to sliding rock and plunged down this like rock into ice cold water and, you know, that kind of stuff. And, um, so I'm really kind of recommitting now post COVID to making a lot of space and time for that. My son is now, you know, he, he's about to be seven. And so like, we're not carrying around a bunch of like baby stuff and, you know, like he can literally just like throw his toothbrush and some clothes in a bag and we can go, like, we're not doing the Mm -hmm. prep everybody's stage of life anymore. Mm -hmm. And so we can just go and experience and explore and do a lot more of that. So that's really kind of a priority right now for that. 
I think yeah. the world's ready for that again, like yeah. in mm-hmm. so many ways. Yeah. <laughs> like just the travel. biggest problem is honestly, is that like the influencers are messing up all the cool hidden spots. Yes, they <laughs> are. Because everybody is going there. <laughs> I know. I know. We had someone in our office not too long ago be like, yeah, I've always had this. He wanted to go somewhere in Mexico and he's like, yeah, I've had my eye on this one place. And he's like, but then all the influencers found it six months ago and now you can't go there because it's so yeah. expensive and crowded. Exactly. Oh <laughs> These influencer people. I know. Away. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Love it. So tell us where people can learn more about you or if they would love to book a session or anything else. Um, you know, how can they find you? So I have one central website that all of my brands branch off of. So it's just ashleysegert.com. Um, and so from there you can get to, you know, if you're in the Brian College Station area, you can get to Figment, you can get to Vacamba, you can get, we, um, we have kind of a sideline thing that, um, Carla, my, my marketing director is really kind of the spearhead of, we had a, a two month pop-up, um, selfie museum mm-hmm. last year. And so now that has kind of morphed into like custom selfie stations for your events and, nice. um, you know, all of our event coverage and that kind of thing. So all of that is all to all the, all of my educational resources for photographers. I have a whole, um, self-produced birth photography course. I wrote a book on birth photography, like it's all there. Awesome. Um, and it's all one button away on the front page of ashleysegert.com. Perfect. Perfect. And we'll for sure link that in the show notes and all of your, all of your everything, all the links, <laughs> all the links, all I am links. covered in links. <laughs> yes. Yes. So awesome. Well, thank you so much. Like this has been so, uh, I just love it. Like we've, like I mentioned before, we've worked with you and we kind of know you, but just like getting this deeper dive into your story has been really inspiring. Um, and mm-hmm. I am just so thankful that we had this opportunity to chat today. So thank you like from the bottom of our hearts. Thanks for taking the time and chatting with us. No, thank you guys. I love what you've got going on here and what you're doing. And I can't wait to dive in and see more of your episodes. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Gutsy Truth. We are so thankful to have you here with us and we hope you enjoyed today's story. Until next time, we encourage you to follow along with us on Instagram at The Gutsy Truth. Or you can learn more on our website, thegutsytruth.com. And we would really appreciate if you left a review on today's episode on your podcast streaming platform of choice. Um, These reviews not only help our podcast be more well known to the world, but you can share this today's episode to a friend or family member or coworker who you think might need to hear um, an inspiring story for their journey. And until next time, that's the gutsy truth.